0: homily thirteen of homilies of st john chrysostom on first corinthians part one homily thirteen first corinthians 410 we are fools for christ's sake for it is necessary from this point to resume our discourse but ye are wise in christ we are weak but ye are strong ye are honorable but we despised having filled his speech with much severity that point which conveyed a sharper blow than any direct charge, he here handles with his own particular dignity. And, whereas he had said, Ye have reigned as kings without us, and God hath set forth us last, as it were appointed unto death, but what comes next he signifies how they were appointed unto death, saying, We are fools, and weak, and despised, and hunger, and thirst, and are naked, and are buffeted, and have no certain dwelling, and labor working with their own hands, which are very signs of genuine teachers and apostles, whereas the others valued themselves on the things which are contrary to these, on wisdom, glory, wealth, consideration, desiring therefore to take down their self-conceit and to point out that in respect of these things, so far from taking credit to themselves, they ought rather to be ashamed. He first of all mocks them, saying, Ye have reigned as kings without us, AS IF HE HAD SAID, MY SENTENCE IS, THAT THE PRESENT IS NOT A TIME OF HONOR, NOR OF GLORY, WHICH KIND OF THINGS YOU ENJOY, BUT OF PERSECUTION AND INSULT, SUCH AS WE ARE SUFFERING. IF, HOWEVER, IT BE NOT SO, IF THIS RATHER BE THE TIME OF remuneration, THEN AS FAR AS I SEE, BUT THIS HE SAITH IN IRONY, YE THE DISCIPLES FOR YOUR PART HAVE BECOME NO LESS THAN KINGS, BUT WE THE TEACHERS AND APOSTLES, and before all entitled to receive the reward, not only have fallen very far behind you, but even as persons appointed unto death, that is, condemned convicts, spend our lives entirely in dishonors and dangers and hunger, yea, insulted as fools, and driven about and enduring all intolerable things. Now these things he said, that he might hereby cause them also to consider, that they should zealously affect the condition of the apostles, their dangers and their indignities, not their honors and glories. For these, not the former, are what the gospel requires. But to this effect he speaks not directly, not to show himself disagreeable to them, rather in a way characteristic of himself he takes in hand this rebuke. For if he had introduced his address in a direct manner, he would have spoken thus, ye err and are beguiled, and have swerved far from the apostolic mode of instruction. For every apostle and minister of Christ ought to be esteemed a fool, ought to live in affliction and dishonor, which indeed is our state, whereas you are in the contrary state. But thus might his expressions have jarred them yet more, as containing but praises of the apostles, and might have made the other party fiercer, censured as they were for indolence and vainglory and luxuriousness. Wherefore he conducts not his statement in this way, but in another more striking but less offensive and this is why he proceeds with his address as follows saying ironically but ye are strong and honourable since if he had not used irony he would have spoken to this effect it is not possible that one man should be esteemed foolish and another wise one strong and another weak the gospel not requiring either the one or the other for if we were in the nature of things that one should be this and another that perchance there might be some reason in what you say but now it is not permitted neither to be counted wise nor honourable nor to be free from dangers for otherwise it follows of necessity that you are preferred before us in the sight of god you the disciples before the teachers and that after our endless hardships if this be too bad for any one to say it remains for you to make our condition your object and that no one saith he, Think that I speak of things past only. Verse 11. Even unto this present hour we both hunger and thirst and are naked. Seest thou that all the life of Christians must be such as this, and not merely a day or two. For though the wrestler who is victorious in a single contest only be crowned, he is not crowned again if he suffer a fall. And hunger... Against the luxurious and are buffeted, against those who are puffed up and have no certain dwelling place, against those who sink back into weariness and are naked, against the rich and labor. Here is something against the false apostles who endure neither toil nor peril, while they themselves receive the fruits. But not so are we, saith he, but together with our perils from without we also strain ourselves to the utmost with perpetual labor and what is still more no one can say that we fret at these things for the contrary of all these is our requital to them that so deal with us this i say is the main point not our suffering evil for that is common to all but our suffering without despondency or vexation for we so far from desponding are full of exaltation and a sure proof of this is a requiting with the contrary those who do us wrong. Now as to the fact that so they did, hear what follows. Verses 12 and 13. Being reviled we bless, being persecuted we endure, being defamed we entreat. We are become as the filth of the world. This is the meaning of fools for Christ's sake. For whosoever suffers wrong and avenges not himself, nor is vexed, is reckoned a fool by the heathen, and dishonored, and weak. And in order that he might not render his speech too unpalatable, by referring the sufferings he was speaking, of to their city, what saith he? We are made the filth, not of your city, but of the world, and again the offscourings of all men, not of you alone, but of all. As then, when he is discoursing of the providential care of Christ letting pass the earth the heaven the whole creation the cross is what he brings forward so also when he desires to attract them to himself hurrying by all his miracles he speaks of his sufferings on their account so also it is our method when we be injured by any and despised whatsoever we have endured for them to bring the same forward the offscouring of all men even unto this present time This is a vigorous blow, which he gives at the end, of all men, not of the persecutors only, saith he, but of those also for whom we suffer these things. Oh, greatly am I obliged to them. It is the expression of one seriously concerned, not in pain himself, but desiring to make them feel, that he who hath innumerable complaints to make, should even salute them. And therefore did Christ command us to bear insults meekly, that we might both exercise ourselves in a high strain of virtue, and put the other party to the more shame. For that effect one produces not so well by reproach as by silence. Verse 14 Then since he saw that the blow could not well be borne, he speedily heals it, saying, I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons I warn you. For not as abashing you, saith he, do I speak these things, the very thing which by his words he had done. This he says he had not done. Rather, he allows that he had done it, not, however, with an evil and spiteful mind. Why, this mode of soothing is the very best, if we should say what we have to say and add the apology from our purpose. For not to speak was impossible, since they would have remained uncorrected. On the other hand after he had spoken to leave the wound unattended were hard wherefore along with his severity he apologizes for this so far from destroying the effect of the knife rather makes it sink deeper in while it moderates the full pain of the wound since when a man is told that not in reproach but in love are these things said he the more readily receives correction However, even here also is great severity and a strong appeal to their sense of shame, in that he said not, as a master, nor yet as an apostle, nor yet as having you for my disciples, which had well suited his claims on them, but as my beloved sons, I warn you, and not simply sons, but longed after. Forgive me, saith he, if anything disagreeable have been said, it all proceeds of love, and he said not, I rebuke, but I warn. Now who would not bear with a father in grief, and in the act of giving good advice? Wherefore he did not say this before, but after he had given the blow. What then, some might say, do other teachers not spare us? I say not so, but they carry not their forbearance so far. Thus, however, he spake not out at once but by their professions and titles gave indication of it preceptor and father being the terms which he employs verse fifteen for though saith he ye have ten thousand instructors in christ yet have ye not many fathers he is not here setting forth his dignity but the exceeding greatness of his love thus neither did he wound the other teachers since he adds the clause in christ but rather soothed them designating not as parasites but as preceptors those among them who were zealous and patient of labor and also manifested his own anxious care of them on this account he said not yet not many masters but not many fathers so little was it his object to set down any name of dignity or to argue that of him they had received the greater benefit but granting to the others the great pains they had taken for the corinthians FOR THAT IS THE FORCE OF THE WORD INSTRUCTOR, THE SUPERIORITY AND LOVE HE RESERVES FOR HIS OWN PORTION. FOR THAT, AGAIN, IS THE FORCE OF THE WORD FATHER. AND HE SAITH NOT MERELY, NO ONE LOVES YOU SO MUCH, A KIND OF STATEMENT WHICH ADMITTED NOT OF BEING CALLED TO ACCOUNT, BUT HE ALSO BRINGS FORWARD A REAL FACT. WHAT THEN IS THIS? FOR IN CHRIST JESUS I HAVE begotten you through the gospel. IN CHRIST JESUS, NOT UNTO MYSELF, DO I IMPUTE THIS, Again he strikes at those who give their own names to their teaching. For ye, saith he, are the seal of mine apostleship, and again I have planted, and in this place I have begotten. He said not, I have preached the word, but I have begotten, using the words of natural relationship. For this one care at the moment was to show forth the love which he had for them. For they indeed received you from me, and added enticements, But that you are believers, at all, came to pass through me. Thus because he had said, as sons, lest you should suppose that the expression was flattery, he produces also the matter of fact. Verse 16 Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me, as I am also of Christ. Astonishing! How great is our teacher's boldness of speech! How highly finished the image! When he can even exhort others hitherto! Not that in self-exaltation he doth so, but implying that virtue is an easy thing. As if he had said, tell me not, I am not able to imitate thee. Thou art a teacher and a great one. For the difference between me and you is not so great as between Christ and me. And yet I have imitated him. On the other hand, writing to the Ephesians, he interposes no mention of himself, but leads them all straight to the one point. Be ye followers of God in this word but in this place since his discourse was addressed to weak persons he puts himself in by the way and besides too he signifies that it is possible even thus to follow christ for he who copies the perfect impression of the seal copies the original model let us see then in what way he followed christ for this imitation needs not time and art but a steady purpose alone thus if we go into the study of a painter we shall not be able to copy the portrait though we see it ten thousand times, but to copy him we are enabled by hearing alone. Will ye then that we bring the tablet before you and sketch out for you Paul's manner of life? Well, let it be produced, that picture far brighter than all the images of emperors, for its material is not boards glued together, nor canvas stretched out, but the material is the work of God, being as it is a soul and body, a soul the work of God, not of men, and a body again, and likewise did you utter applause here? Nay, not here is the time for plaudits, but in what follows, for applauding, I say, for imitating too, for so far as we have but the material which is common to all without exception, inasmuch as soul differs not from soul in regard of its being a soul, but the purpose of heart shows the difference, for as one body differs not from another in so far as it is a body, but Paul's body is like everyone else's. Only dangers make one body more brilliant than another. Just so is it in the case of the soul also. Suppose, then, our tablet to be the soul of Paul. This tablet was lately lying covered with soot, full of spiders' webs, for nothing can be worse than blasphemy. But when he came, who transformeth all things, and saw that not through indolence or sluggishness were his lines so drawn but through inexperience and his not having the tints of true piety for zeal indeed he had but the colours were not there for he had not the zeal according to knowledge he gives him the tint of the truth that is grace and in a moment he hath exhibited the imperial image for having got the colours and learnt what he was ignorant of he waited no time but forthwith appeared a most excellent artist and first he shows the head of the king, preaching Christ, then also the remainder of the body, the body of a perfect Christian life. Now painters we know shut themselves up and execute all their works with great nicety, and in quiet, not opening the doors to anyone. But this man, setting forth his tablet in the view of the world, in the midst of universal opposition, clamor, disturbance, did under such circumstances work out this royal image, and was not hindered. And therefore he said we are made a spectacle unto the world in the midst of the earth and sea and the heaven and the whole habitable globe and the world both material and intellectual he was drawing that portrait of his would you like to see the other parts also thereof from the head downwards or will ye that from below we carry our description upwards contemplate then a statue of gold or rather of something more costly than gold and such as might stand in heaven, not fixed with lead or placed in one spot, but hurrying from Jerusalem even to Illyricum, and setting out unto Spain, and borne as it were, on wings over every part of the world. For what could be more beautiful than these feet which visited the whole earth under the sun? This same beauty the prophet also from of old proclaimeth, saying, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace! hast thou seen how fair are the feet wilt thou see the bosom too come let me show thee this also that thou shalt behold it far more splendid than these beautiful feet ye even than the bosom itself of the ancient lawgiver for moses indeed carried tablets of stone but this man within him had christ himself it was the very image of the king which he bore and of the mercy seat For this cause he was more awful than the cherubim. For no such voice went out from them as from hence. But from them it talked with men chiefly about things of sense, from the tongue of Paul, on the other hand, about the things above the heavens. Again, from the mercy seat it spake oracles to the Jews alone, but from hence to the whole world. And there it was by things without life, but here by a soul instinct with virtue. This mercy seat was brighter even than heaven, not with variety of stars shining forth, nor with rays from the sun, but the very sun of righteousness was there, and from hence he sent forth his rays. Again, from time to time, as to this our heaven, any cloud coursing over at times makes it gloomy, but that bosom never had any such storm sweeping across it. but Rather, there did sweep over it many storms and oft, but the light they darkened not rather in the midst of the temptation and dangers the light shone forth wherefore also he himself when bound with his chain kept exclaiming the word of god is not bound thus continually by means of that tongue was it sending forth its rays and no fear no danger made that bosom gloomy perhaps the bosom seems to outdo the feet however both they as feet are beautiful and this as a bosom wilt thou see also the belly with its proper beauty hear what he saith about it if meat make my brother to offend i will eat no flesh while the world standeth it is good neither to eat flesh nor to drink wine nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth or is offended or is made weak meats for the belly and the belly for meats what can be more beautiful in its kind than this belly thus instructed to be quiet, and taught all temperance, and knowing how both to hunger and be famished, and also how to suffer thirst. For as a well-trained horse, with a golden bridle, so also did this walk with measured paces, having vanquished the necessity of nature, for it was Christ walking in it. Now this, being so temperate, is quite plain that the whole body of vice besides was done away. Wouldst thou see the hands too, those which he now hath? Or wouldst thou rather behold first their former wickedness? Entering this very man into the houses, he howled of late men and women with the hands not of man, but of some fierce wild beast. But as soon as he had received the colors of the truth and the spiritual skill, no longer were these the hands of a man, but spiritual, day by day being bound with chains and they never struck any one but they were stricken times without number once even a viper reverenced those hands for they were the hands of a human being no longer and therefore it did not even fasten on them and wilt thou see also the back resembling as it does the other members hear what he saith about this also Five times I received of the Jews forty stripes save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in the deep. But lest we should fall into an interminable deep, and be carried away far and wide, going over each of his members severally, come let us quit the body and look at another sort of beauty, that namely which proceeds from his garments, to which even devils showed reverence, and therefore both they made off and various diseases took flight. And wheresoever Paul happened to show himself, they all retired and got out of the way, as if the champion of the whole world had appeared. And as they who have been often wounded in war, should they see but some part of the armor of him that wounded them, feel a shuddering much in the same way the devils also at the sight of handkerchiefs only were astonied where be now the rich and they that have high thoughts about wealth where they who count over their own titles and their costly robes with these things if they compare themselves it will be clay in their sight and dirt all that they have their own And why speak I of garments and golden ornaments? Why, if one would grant me the whole world in possession, the mere nail of Paul I should esteem more powerful than all that dominion, his poverty than all luxury, his dishonor than all glory, his nakedness than all riches? No security would I compare with the buffeting of that sacred head, no diadem with the stones to which he was a mark. This crown let us long for, beloved, for if persecution be not now, let us meanwhile prepare ourselves, for neither was he of whom we speak glorious by persecutions alone, for he said also, I keep under my body, now in this one may attain excellence without persecutions, and he exhorted not to make provision for the flesh, to fulfill the lust thereof, And again, having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. For to these purposes we have no need of persecutions. And the wealthy too he sought to moderate, saying, They that will be rich fall into temptation. If therefore we also thus exercise ourselves, when we enter into the contest we shall be crowned and though there be no persecution before us we shall receive for these things many rewards but if we pamper the body and live the life of swine even in peace we shall often sin and have to bear our shame seest thou not with whom we wrestle with the incorporeal powers how then being ourselves flesh are we to get the better of these for if wrestling with men one have need to be tempered in diet much more with evil spirits. But when together with fullness of flesh we are also bound down to wealth, whence are we to overcome our antagonists? For wealth is a chain, a grievous chain, to those who know not how to use it, a tyrant savage and inhuman, imposing all his commands by way of outrage on those who serve him. Howbeit, if we will, this bitter tyranny we shall dispose from his throne, and make it yield to us, instead of commanding. How then shall this be, by distributing our wealth unto all? For so long as it stands against us, each single hand, like any robber in a wilderness, it works all its bad ends. And when we bring it forth among others, it will master us no more, holden as it will be in chains on all sides by all men. And these things I say not because riches are a sin, although there be sin in not distributing them to the poor and in the wrong use of them. For God made nothing evil, but all things very good, so that riches too are good, i.e., if they do not master their owners, if the wants of our neighbors be done away by them. For neither is that light good, which instead of dissipating darkness rather makes it intense, nor shall I call that wealth which, instead of doing away poverty, rather increases it. For the rich man seeks not to take from others, but to help others. But he that seeks to receive from others is no longer rich, but is emphatically the poor man. So that it is not riches that are an evil, but the needy mind which turns wealth into poverty, There are more wretched than those who ask alms in the narrow streets, enduring loss of limb and loathsome bodily harm. I say clothed in rags as they are. They are not so miserable as those in silks and shining garments. Those who go stately in the marketplace are more to be pitied than those who haunt the crossings of the streets and enter into the courts and cry from their cellars and ask charity, for these... For their part do utter praises to God, and speak words of mercy, at a high sort of morality. And therefore we pity them, and stretch out the hand, and never find fault with them. But those who are rich, to bad purpose, cruelty and inhumanity, ravening and satanic lust, are in the words which issue from them. And therefore by all are they detested and laughed to scorn, Do but consider which of the two among all men is reckoned disgraceful, to beg of the rich or of the poor. Everyone, I suppose, sees it at once, of the poor. Now this, if you mark it, is what the rich do, for they durst not apply to those who are richer than themselves, whereas those who beg do so of the wealthy. For one beggar asks not alms of another, but of a rich man, but the rich man Tears the poor in pieces. Again, tell me, which is the more dignified, to receive from those who are willing and are obligated to you, or when men are unwilling, to compel and tease them. Clearly, not to trouble those who are unwilling. But this also the rich do, for the poor receive from willing hands, and such are obligated to them, but the rich from persons unwilling and repugnant, which is an indication of greater poverty. "'For if no one would like so much as to go to a meal "'unless the inviter were to feel obligated to the guest, "'how can it be honorable to take one share "'of any property with compulsion? "'Do we not on this account get out of the way of dogs "'and fly from their baying? "'Because by their much besetting "'they fairly force us off. "'This also our rich men do. "'But that fear should accompany the gift is more dignified nay this is of all most disgraceful for he who moves heaven and earth about his gains who can be so laughed to scorn as he for even unto dogs not seldom through fear we throw whatever we had hold of which i ask again is more disgraceful that one clothed with rags should beg or one that wears silk Thus, when a rich man pays court to old and poor persons, so as to get possession of their property, and this when there are children, what pardon can he deserve? Further, if you will, let us examine the very words, what the rich beggars say, and what the poor. What then saith the poor man? That he who giveth alms will never have to give by measure. That he is giving of what is God's, that God is loving unto men, and recompenses more abundantly, all which are words of high morality, and exhortation, and counsel. For he recommends thee to look unto the Lord, and he takes away thy fear of the poverty to come. And one may perceive much instruction in the words of those who ask alms. But of what kind are those of the rich? Why, of swine and dogs and wolves and all other wild beasts? For some of them discourse perpetually on banquets and dishes and preserves and wines of all sorts and ointments and vestures and all the rest of that extravagance and others about the interest of money and loans and making out accounts and increasing the mass of debts to an intolerable amount as if it had begun in the time of men's fathers or grandfathers One they rob of his house, another of his field, and another of his slave. And of all that he has, why should one speak of their covenants, which are written in blood instead of ink? For either by surrounding them with some intolerable danger, or else bewitching them with some paltry promises, whomsoever they may see in possession of some small property, those they persuade to pass by all their relations, and that oftentimes when perishing through poverty, and instead of them to enter their own names. Is there any madness and ferocity of wild beasts of any sort which these things do not throw into the shade? Wherefore I beseech you, all such wealth as this, let us flee, disgracefully as it is, and in death's abundance, and let us obtain that which is spiritual, and let us seek after the treasures in the heavens. For whoso possesses these, they are rich, they are the wealthy, both here and there enjoying things, even all things. Since whoso will be poor, according to the word of God, has all men's houses open to him. For unto him that for God's sake has ceased to possess anything, everyone will contribute of his own but whoso will hold a little with injustice, shutteth the doors of all against him. To the end, then, that we may attain both to the good things here and those which are there, let us choose the wealth which cannot be removed, that immortal abundance, which may God grant us all to obtain through the grace and loving kindness of our Lord Jesus Christ, etc. End of homily 13